Welcome back. When we left you last time, we learned that a beautiful, outgoing mother of two had met with foul play and has been missing for a few days. Let's continue on our journey to get to the truth. Detectives were beginning to look more closely at Robert Early. They asked him to come to the station for an informal recorded interview. Robert was happy to cooperate. At the station, he was shown into a square interview room with a round table in the corner in a chair on either side. Wearing a red baseball cap, gray sweatshirt with black long sleeves and black faded jeans. Robert went in and casually hung his jacket over the back of the chair. Sitting down with his back to the wall, he is facing the camera, which is pointed straight at him from its quiet position in the top corner of the room. I met her in November, and we've pretty much been inseparable since. I mean, I moved in, like, really, I guess officially December... I mean, but it's, we, we pretty much, you know, her parents were out of town. We stayed at her parents' house. She stayed at my mom's house. Okay, how old is she? 30. Okay, how old are you? 33. Drove to Carlsbad, did the Carlsbad Cavern deal. She got her little passport book stamped. And then we went from there to Roswell. From Roswell, we went to a place called Tijuana's. Mm-hmm. And we had uh, fajitas. And I had two margaritas, and she had one. And then we went from there to a place called Farley's. You know, it was her last night in town. So we met up with my boss at the hotel bar and just got pretty much obliterated from there. Just a see-through completely. I mean, you know, it's probably really in a darker bar like that. Noticing she had some gray hanging on. She was getting hit on by guys. She came back, said, hey, this guy said, uh, if she's not taking care of you good, I'll take you home. Some strange dude. I'm like, whatever, you know, Emily, if that's what you want, go ahead and go. You know, she didn't get the response from everything she wanted. Fuck you, then I'm leaving. I figured she's going to go smoke, blow off some steam. She'll be cool. And so that's why I left. Bro, I started thinking that. How come she didn't take her home? Because it was dead and we only needed one. We were, at the, we were going together. We were at the hotel. When we walked over there, went back to the room with the key. She wasn't in there. And then I started pacing up and down and walking around. And I, I shut the door. Oh, what time did the was fall <laughs> Maybe a little bit after 12 or, or maybe 11.40, something in between 12, 20 to 11.40, something, I'm guessing. So you're saying she left with someone? No, I didn't see her actually leave with somebody. But she was talking about some dude who was leaving, you know. Should she not at the hotel? She's not in the room. Where the else was she gone? You just don't seem the type of person to me that the girl comes up and says, you, and turns around and walks off, and you let that happen. You don't strike me as that type, dude. I, you just don't. I mean, I I, I know her. Y'all don't. Exactly. We, we brought to several people at the bar, and none of them. See your lead with anybody. You know, I'm sitting here in my mind, and I'm, and I'm going to ask you this question. 
I, I filed a missing persons report. Mm-hmm. And what's scaring me is I'm, I'm wondering why I'm being grilled so hard. Is everything okay? okay. Let me let me explain something. Okay. You're the last person to see her alive. Okay. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. I mean, hands down, you're the last person. Over 400 miles away in Texas, Emily's parents had returned to their home in Bedford. With the support of Emily's friends and her ex-husband, they were getting the news out as much as they could. Emily's friends had missing posters made and were contacting businesses, offices, and shops in Carlsbad asking if they could put them up in their windows. A Facebook page was set up to reach as many people as possible with Emily's photo and her details. Her parents were giving media interviews locally and in New Mexico, trying to tell people that Emily was missing and where she was last seen. Someone must know something about where their daughter was. In Carlsbad, detectives continued to press Robert for information about what happened to Emily. They wanted to put him under pressure make him uncomfortable, and try to get him to tell them what he was holding back. Was it noticeable that y'all had an argument? I mean, not... If you had someone sitting at the table next to you all or in the area, but hey. I mean, it, we kept it... I kept it pretty much as discreet as I could. What's your gut telling you right now? Yesterday, I was having a really, really bad tingling feelings and you know that I just I just hope she's okay. I mean I I'm not asking you what you hope. That's what's your gut feeling right now. Bitch I I mean I honestly think that that she got involved with some wrong people she she either hurt or trapped or somebody's got her not letting her go. And then that I mean otherwise why would she be back? Okay. Well, I mean, do you think she's dead? I have no clue. I hope not. You know, that's the last thing I want for for my girlfriend and a mother of two and a school teacher. You know, when I have a daughter, I mean, I can imagine if I went missing, my daughter couldn't see me anymore or her mom. Do you remember what I was to take a polygraph? Yeah. 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 I mean, okay. Nerves are shot. You know why you're here? Yeah. My girlfriend's missing. Put your left arm out in front of you. Come up. Emily Lambert is your girlfriend, the one that you were with Saturday night, is that correct? Yes. Do you intend to answer truthfully all questions regarding the location of Emily Emily Lambert? Yes. Do you know where Emily Lambert is located? No. Do you know where Emily Lambert is located right now? No. And you didn't pass. How? Um it was asked three Separate ways, um, and you didn't do well on any of the tests. Any time I ask, I want to take it again. You know where she's at. How close? Hands down, Lou. I was hands down. I was hammered. I understand that you're hammered. But something happened, right? We know that. So I had already she left, and that. How's your temper? Fights. I'm. 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 Never hit any fights. You're gonna tell me 
but you don't have a byline temper. I don't have. You're going to tell me that none of your friends are going to tell me that no. you're a byline. None of my friends are going to say I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. You know, I'm not going to just sit there and you know. But I've never been arrested for beating up somebody. I've never been on an altercation. Because you're not arrested for it doesn't mean that you don't do it. You know what I mean? I have always some been. people in Dallas that say you do have some violent past. Who? I'm not going to tell you. Your shoulders are pretty heavy, dude. Now you cross your arms, your shoulders are heavy. I'm telling you right now, they are. You know, at Army, she left, you know, from the hotel. You know, I mean, they weren't. I got in the car, tried to drive around and look for her. And you found her? No, no. And I never did find her. I never did get to find her. Really? Lie detectors are designed to detect changes in a person's physiological responses. The idea is if someone is lying, these are the responses the body will produce that are out of their control. A heart rate suddenly increases, a change in blood pressure, an increase in sweating. The results of these tests can't be used inside a courtroom. They can't be used as proof of lies being told, but they can help during interviews when trying to get to the truth. They can also rattle a suspect. Robert Early failed the polygraph test, asking the same question repeatedly, but in different ways, yielded results that he wasn't telling the truth. Regardless of what words he chose or how he verbally answered the detective's questions, the sweat on his skin and his rising heartbeat were giving him away. Knowing he had been caught, realizing there was nowhere for him to go, Robert's leg began to twitch, rocking slightly back and forth. He's not looking the detective in the eye. He then began to tell a new version of events. I know she went in a vehicle. What was the vehicle? It was a thing. He had monster tires with a rock star wheels on it, white, extended cab truck. And she was, I mean, it was the guy who she was talking to, the girl who she was talking to. You know more than you're saying because you just give us more information, whether it's true or not. I kind of think it's half assed. Okay. I'm not trying to be an ass to you. But we're dealing with life here, buddy. We're dealing with someone's life. And we're not here to hammer on you. We're here to get the truth so we can possibly do something to help her. This isn't our first time to deal with this. And you deal with one of two kinds of people. One, something that accident happened. Or two, you deal with a monster. And you're a monster. monster. Huh? I said, I'm not a monster. You're not a monster. No. Convince me of that right now, because did you come forward with, with that right there and then saying that and you've been hiding it for two days? I have a problem with I've been dreading this all the time. I, just, I thought she would bring her back or took her off or something happened. I was sneaking around. Dude was big. I mean, start back when you're in the bar. Dude pulls up. Emily gets in his drive. I just pulled out and went the way that I seen them pull out of the Stevens. Which way did they go? South? You went out? I went out in the direction canal towards Walmart. Okay. Towards Walmart. So he pulls up into some sort of looking like 
housing little area or something, like a house or something. And by the time I get out, Emily barely had any clothes on, you know, and I pull up. We start, you know, beeping, and he comes running at me with a pipe. She jumps in front. Bah! Already hit her. Right in the head. I mean, and I was like, God. You know, and he comes at me. I just got the car just burned out, you know. I, I waited it out because I didn't know what else to do. I've never been in this situation. I've seen movies and all the 48s and stuff. I mean, I, I'm killed by association. Show me the house. Is it, is it Kirk have? Was she bleeding? It looked like there was blood. On Tuesday, March 4th, 2014, three days after Emily was last seen alive, Robert agreed to take detectives to the location he last saw her. He had told them Emily had willingly gotten into a white truck driven by a man he thought was from the bar. He gave an animated description of what followed. Standing up from his chair and using his arms to mimic actions at the appropriate points. Robert said he had followed the truck and was attacked by the driver when he got out to speak with them. Emily had jumped in front at the last moment, taking the full force of the blow intended for him. She had crumbled to the ground bleeding. The man then turned around, reaching inside the truck cab. In fear that he was about to get shot, Robert got back into his vehicle and drove back to the hotel. Robert had kept this information quiet for two days. He spent more than 48 hours knowing Emily had been hit violently in the head with a weapon, yet he said nothing. Now sat in the back of the detective's vehicle, Robert guided them to the same spot he had last saw Emily. They drove along State Road 31, about three miles from the Loving Highway. Robert pointed to a house up on a slight hill. It had a concrete driveway leading towards the front of the old neglected building. The windows were out and the wood was rotting. Standing alone among miles of field, there was a barn behind the house. The old weather-worn wood was scattered around the building at uneven intervals, barely keeping the original structure or shape. The wind blew straight through, keeping the long grass around it in constant movement. Broken and old, this ranch hadn't been lived in or used for a long time. There was nothing surrounding this location but open land. Leaving Robert at the vehicle, the detectives looked around, As they started to move forward, scanning the ground, they became more uneasy. At the front of the house, on the dirt and gravel track that snaked around the back of the building, there were what looked like drag marks. Two parallel lines, with indented earth in between, slowly curving around the building. The detectives followed their path, keeping their eyes low, looking for anything out of place, anything that might lead them to Emily. As the dirt gave way to grass, detectives found what they desperately were hoping they wouldn't. Naked except for her bra was the body of a woman lying face down. She had visible injuries to her head 
A pool of congealed blood lay around her skull. There were marks on her neck, bruises and scrapes on her arms, torso and legs. On her back was a large, distinctive tattoo, etched across her shoulder blades, with their wings fanning out towards her arms, were an owl and a dragon facing each other at her spine. The detectives knew they had just found Emily Lambert. As forensic teams were called to the site, Detective Rennie walked back to the car and told Robert they had found Emily's body. He looked surprised, but unmoved at the news she was dead. Continued to smoke his cigarette. The story Robert Early had given was not a believable one, and Detective Rennie wanted the truth. Robert was showing no care or concern for Emily, her daughters, or her family. A hardened shell, incapable of the kind of empathy every human being should possess. Robert Early was proving himself to be a violent man with an icy coldness in him. Officers back at the station had been examining Robert and Emily's cell phones. They found a voicemail message on Emily's phone that was hard to decipher. Garbled voices, loud bangs, and flashes of words echoed out from the message. It came from Robert Early's cell. As they listened closer, they could hear words from Emily. Her voice was raised and upset. Her tone was full of emotion. Neither of them knew they were being recorded. Robert's cell phone had been in his pocket while they argued. It had somehow dialed Emily's cell phone, her voicemail picking up the noise from the room. This was the argument overheard by the guest in the next room. Recognizing they were now too close to the case, a decision was made to bring in a new detective for questioning Robert. Detective Sergeant Alan Sanchez was experienced, fast-thinking, and eager to find out the real truth. Robert found himself back inside the same interview room, sitting in the same spot with his back near the wall. A round table slightly to the left. Now he had a new detective in front of him, and he had run out of lies to tell. There was no man in a white truck. No mystery individual had attacked Robert with a pole. In an interview under caution, Robert finally told the truth about Emily's final moments. The callous way in which her life was brutally taken, recorded minute by minute through the camera in the corner room. All right, man. I know you haven't talked to me yet, okay? Um, like I said, my name's Alan. I'm not going to lie I'm not here to cut deals. I can't make promises. I'm not authorized to do that. But the district attorney's office won't do anything either right now until after we talk to you and give you the opportunity to tell your side and tell the truth. So I understand how that stuff goes, man. I really do. I understand how, especially when you're drunk, you're like, 
you know, you get pissed. And obviously you were pissed that night. You were like, what the hell, you know? Does the severity of the crime, is there, it, it, you know, to not including myself as saying I'm saying anything, mm-hmm. but from your standpoint, where I ever see my kid again. So you gotta understand something, right? And I also want a cigarette. Oh man, I've got I've got you hooked up with cigarettes, yeah. So I smoke two so. So bubbles close with a cigarette. Thing. I'll tell I'll, I'll, I'll man, I'm tired of it, dude. Oh god, I don't know what else. Let's go burn one, come back in there and don't tell me everything. That I can remember. Emily yeah. can get she's so very strong and she's bigger than any other girl I've been with, and a lot stronger. And she, after I, I mean, she was in the car and I did all that stuff, and yeah, I'll retell you it all. I can't believe I kicked her with my steel toe. You said you kicked her? I kicked her with the steel oh. toe, you know, four times when she was out, and I was like, oh, freaking out. I didn't know what to do. Let's start from the beginning, man. And I go, no nothing, okay? No, no nothing. You're arguing. A little bit, you know, but it wasn't nothing big. It really, it really wasn't nothing big. What was arguing about, man? Uh, she said that, uh, some dude said that if I didn't treat her right, he'd take her home. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whatever, you know, whatever. If that's what you want, you know, go ahead and leave. And then when she left, we're done. It's over. I'm leaving you this and that. And I was like, really? And then she would want to drive. That's what started the whole altercation in, in, in the room. She wanted to enjoy the drive and drive all the way back to Florida. I said, no, you're not leaving. She started going crazy with me and we started you know, pushing around. And that's when she grabbed my arm and bit the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. And it swept me back. And I put my head against the wall. And that's when I got up here. And then I kicked her. You know, I go and touch it. Out. Lost it. Where'd you, where did you kick her the first time? I think in the mouth. Okay. But she, I hit her and kicked her in the mouth. She, she was still okay. She got up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? I was pretty shocked. You know, I was able to get her down. And I was shooting crazy. I was tripping out. I didn't know what was going on. You know, and kicked her in there. So where'd you kick her that time? I think in the face. Okay. Pretty much all headshots. Okay. Just laying there like breathing down no, like a weird breath and I was like Like she was knocked out? Yeah, and I didn't know what to do. And so I just I was, I was like, oh my god, I'm blind, oh my god. And I just put her in the car and drove out there. So we came behind that guy's house, she came to and then she was coming at me, I grabbed that uh, air pump. And uh, I grabbed that and, and whacked her with it. And I whacked her with it a couple times. How did you drag her back through? Really? I know it's my thing to think about, but I mean, did you grab her and drag her back? Or did you wrap her with something and drag her back? I grabbed her with something. Or did you grab the rope? rope? A rope? I just, it, it, it was just a, yeah, I quit, like a slid, but then, just threw it around the passenger door, shut the door. 
Emily had left the Blue Cactus Bar and returned to the hotel room. When Robert followed a few minutes later, he couldn't get in. Emily had the key, and she had locked the door. She was planning on leaving that night. She had had enough. Robert went to the hotel reception to request a second key to the room. He is captured on CCTV at 11.50 p.m. Letting himself in, they started to argue. He repeatedly kicked Emily in her face with his steel toe cap work boots. As she lay on the floor unconscious, her breathing labored. He picked her up, put her into his car, and drove to the remote abandoned ranch. No one could see what he was doing. There was no one around to witness the horror that was about to unfold. He said Emily had regained consciousness and began to fight him. Robert used a metal bicycle air pump that he had in his car to beat Emily, aiming blow after blow to her head. With devastating injuries, he threw her onto the ground. Still not satisfied, he wanted to make sure she couldn't be seen from the road. Robert tied a thin white rope around Emily's neck, lifting her head to secure the knot as she lay alive but unconscious, still bleeding from her head. The other end of the rope he tied to the inside door handle of the back passenger door to his vehicle, shutting the door to make sure it stayed in place. He drove his car around the back of the house and towards the barn. Emily was dragged by her neck behind the car for 510 feet. Happy she was out of sight, Robert untied the rope and picked up the metal pump. He disposed of these items and the shirt he was wearing along the route back to the hotel. When he got back into room 402, he climbed onto the double bed they had shared the night before and went to sleep. The next morning, he returned to the old ranch where he had left Emily to check to see if she was moving. She wasn't. He drove back to the Stevens Inn, planning how he was going to lie to get away with murder. Emily Lambert's life drained away, in a spot where no one could see her, or know where she was. She died after being beaten and dragged through the dirt by a man she trusted. She came to Carlsbad for a weekend with her boyfriend. A few days of relaxation, fun, and quality time with a man she was in a serious relationship with. He betrayed her in the worst way that he could. Thank you for joining today. I know it really wasn't the way we all wanted it to turn out. We wish Emily could have been found alive and returned to her family safe. Join me next time to learn how her cell phone was the smoking gun that was able to put her killer away.
When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.